Well, welcome to Harco Meets Humans. Thank you both for coming here. Thank you Louise for having us. And Yuri. Yes, thank you for picking me up, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All good, anytime. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Louise goes under the name Tay. Yeah. Yes. And Yuri, you're in Amugi? Yes. Did I get that right? Amugi? Yeah, you did. Yeah. I, che- I check it. This is my new thing every podcast, like trying to get every artist's name correct. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I screwed up um, L- Lavina. Uh, have you ever heard of the artist Levine? No. Yeah. I thought it was Levine, oh, yeah, but it's Levina. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was Levine too. <laughs> Sorry, Levina. No, it's okay. Which, <laughs> she knows she did this to herself. All yeah. right. Um, yeah, she's really cool. She is amazing. Mm. I, she just put out an EP a couple of months ago that I, I'm not a natural fan of pop music yeah. usually, yeah. but yeah. she just makes pop You're music that like, I can really like. I love that. Um, just a quick shout out to Benji and everyone at Point and Studios. This is the first... Whoop, whoop podcast in the new space how's your shout out silas for the car park yeah <laughs> shout out silas <laughs> on some very nice couches today yeah, very yeah. chill they are. Nice it's and so comfy, comfy. Oh. and coffees from bestie shout out to bestie thank you so much for the coffee it's good i'm sorry, <laughs> sorry they didn't i was have, late i'm sorry they didn't have coconut but that's all right it tastes pretty fab that oat's pretty good yeah it's it's really nice the all good oat yeah it's got the concept it's like we stopped selling soy at crumb Oh, oh sad. Yeah. Do you work at Crumb? Yes. Oh, you should come by. True. I've only been once, but it was very sweet. I it's, loved it. It's very nice. It's we do puppuccinos nice if you ever have a dog oh, with you. Oh, yeah. Little dog treat at the bottom of the cup and they yeah. look through it. It's That's amazing. the cafe with the little corgis, is it? Uh, oh, well, they, got- they were um, Griffins. Griff- oh, Griffins. Little That's Griffins. right. Yeah. 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 Um, they're they're sadly gone now. Haven't didn't die or anything, but they've just uh, moved. moved. <laughs> they've just they moved. Passed on. Shout out Sid and Bean. <laughs> yeah, they've passed on. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, we dropped soy because we were like, we don't really. I, I, my theory is that people don't usually like the taste of soy. I love. They like the idea of it. Or like the consistency. <laughs> I love it. It because ta- it like I it like makes it. your mouth feel like you're drinking a flat white. Yeah. But then mm. this oat it's very steamed thick. is very thicky as well. Yeah, this oat is quite nice. Yeah. This is like really smooth. I think that soy sometimes isn't so smooth. Like sometimes it's quite grainy. Mm. But like I'm used oh. to that because like in Asian culture, like you make soy milk out of like the actual bean and like yeah. you've got bits of the bean in it. So I'm used to the graininess. Exactly. Yeah. Is we're that, cultured. Is yeah. it better? <laughs> yeah, we're like, cultured. Does, it ta- does, does the taste, does it make it taste better? Like making it from scratch mm. like that? Than, like, I, I reckon. Do you? Yeah. I I I think oh. it doesn't. But <laughs> each to their own. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there much of a coffee like what what is the is the coffee, coffee culture, culture kind of a, equivalent or what's like, it like in Korea? Yeah, because yeah, I've got uh, yeah. Korea seems like it's really growing. I don't know. I've never been there myself, but I know yeah. that like there's a big cafe culture, like twenty four seven cafes all the time. Um, I'm not a big coffee fan because I just start like shaking yeah, yeah yeah like it really gets me wired so i don't really drink coffee too much so maybe i'm not the best person to drink <laughs> coffee, coffee. The, the other podcast i do is the coffee podcast we can we can carry that on this conversation yeah. at, the, at the crumb podcast yeah. <laughs> have you seen that episode of regular show where like mordecai and rugby they need to get tickets to go to the show but then they need to like do all this work to do it so like the coffee guy comes out and he's like coffee no <laughs> oh my god watch just look up regular show coffee episodes to like get them through all the work they yeah. Need to do. yeah and it's just like i can't remember if he shoots it out of his hand or his armpit but he just like shoots coffee Damn. and all he says is coffee he's like coffee 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I got him i kept like regular show was kicking off just as i kind of stopped watching this cartoon network uh, right was yeah. it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah like i think the last thing i watched is actually ben 10 
only because oh, like I had yeah. I had a young okay. I had young like siblings, a half uh, yeah. brother. So I was kind of watching the cartoons that he wanted to watch. It was like Ben Ten. I kind of got down on that. Damn. But yeah, Ben Ten's a good time. I only see like regular show clips and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I just really enjoy that shit. Yeah, I like the regular show. Yeah, I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, that's that's a, that's that's an interesting thing because it's like you don't like being on coffee, which is like a, a you know energy state kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I personally, I make all my music in the morning. So I'm actually most of my wow. most of my music is now like on coffee, buzzed, buzzed on coffee, but yeah. like and, and like a night's sleep and shit like that. Mm. I love that. But coffee like what music. what like when <laughs> when do you make your music and what Me? state are you in? Oh, okay, well lately, um, I was like under a bit of pressure to get like a little bit of a catalog together um, to send off for you know business stuff, and I hadn't produced in god knows how long like, i hadn't worked on like properly worked on a song but like produced by myself fully and i was sort of like finding it hard to get in the zone i was like what is wrong with me but this whole time like i was like vaping hardcore drinking coffee drinking red bulls like i was so buzzed um and i got i managed to get you know some shit together and i'm actually pretty happy with it um but now like i don't know looking back like i used to just sort of yeah, just like smoke weed, make music and just like be real chill. So I don't know. I think it depends on the pressure level. Like if I need to get something done, then you know, like being buzzed is like exactly the right level. But I think overall enjoyment, you know, like just really taking the time to like, you know, master my craft. It's yeah. kind of, it's more that like I need it to be chill. I need it to be like a very stable environment, like not too much going on. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah I don't know like there's this weird like pull and push and pull with um pressure because I feel like a lot of um I hear from people like you know at uni and like with creative stuff that they think I do my best work under pressure but for me that's like that's you know I guess that's like a cool outside analysis of it but it's like at what cost you know that's at the cost (laughs) of my mental health that's at the cost of my well-being and my physical health yeah so I don't know. I, I think it's, yeah, it's, there's like a weird dichotomy there about how you take care of yourself and like what state you allow yourself to yeah, do your creative creativity in. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, like health and creativity mixes in the strangest. Yeah. And everyone's different, you know, like yeah. we're all built different and we've all had different life experiences, you know? So I think, yeah, it's, it's such a weird thing. Because there's a few like narratives in that. There's like the, you have to you have to the more like if you're messed up you'll make great art yeah yeah just kind of like i'm not saying that's not true in some aspects potentially for some mm. people but it's definitely like a, a health and create creativity narrative. yeah and then i guess that other thing like say like oh some people are like oh i you know i used to have to smoke cigarettes if i was writing lyrics i was like mm. my mind i couldn't yeah not write lyrics if i wasn't smoking cigarettes mm. which is com- completely not true because now i don't smoke and i write lyrics and it's fine yeah <laughs> but it's it's interesting like have you ever felt have you ever been like oh i'm ever thought consciously about like i'm willing to sacrifice some of my health for this definitely yeah. i've i mean i knew like when i've released my first project omw i'd never been in a relationship i'd never had any really oh, like proper K. hard yeah i was like such a baby i was so like naive like i didn't really have that much hardship like i lived a very sheltered you know childhood like humble but pretty sheltered like i didn't 
I didn't experience like hardship in the sense of like I didn't I didn't have heartbreak or I didn't have to go through like a depressive episode. Um, and then with the second project, that had all completely changed. My like within a year, my life had flipped upside down, and I'd been through like the worst heartbreak of my life. I'd gone through like, I was going through like a very severe depression and I was you know failing uni for the first time in my life like it was just the craziest time and I think in a way like when you're when you have that kind of hardship when you have that kind of like mental distress and like as you say like when you're messed up and stuff art becomes like therapy because it becomes one of the like only one of like the most natural ways that your your body or like your intellect can kind of express that emotion it's like an outlet it's an outlet yeah Mm. so I think maybe it's not more so that like you make better you know um art in the in those states maybe it's just that you're making art that is more honest Mm. you're you know like because there's no holding back at that point because you're at a state where you're like you know what this is just how I feel and like you kind of just have to let it out and it's that honesty that I think people resonate with so is it easier to be honest in a kind of darker period of life, mm. like in a happier part of your life? <laughs> I think so I think that's part of what stressed me out because I was like I was like fuck I have to get all this you know music together this new music together I haven't, I haven't worked on you know my own production in so long and this is recently right yeah this is you know in the past two weeks and oh, wow. Before that, you know, I've been working on a lot of music, but produced by other people. So I hadn't been in that, you know, mind state of, and that flow, workflow of like production and vocals, which I had been before. So once I got back into it, I was like, oh my God, like my life is so great right now. Like I've got the coolest group of friends. I've like, my family's happy. Like I'm happy for the first time in like three years. Like I'm feeling healthy. Like what what have I got to complain about (laughs) there's really you know what do I pull from yeah and yeah like one of the tracks I showed Yeri like a couple weekends ago so fire I I just honestly I was sitting there and I produced the beat and I was like this is a cool beat it could it could be sad or it could be happy and I was like you know what I'm just gonna write about how cool my friends are and how much (laughs) of a fun time we have and so I came up with this hook and I was like, that's it. It's like, you know, a fun summary, you know, with like a little melancholy, you know, <laughs> chord here Always and there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, this is, yeah, this is, this is how it should feel to make like happy music. That is also good music, you yeah. know, which yeah, is, right. yeah. Yeah. So you're producing all this, all this recent stuff. Yeah. Recent stuff. Yeah. Does it, do you feel more attachment to it? it because that's just like... It's that change how you feel about it. You, it's like, hard, yeah. For me, like stuff that's only I worked on, I think it's worse. Or like I have like less attachment to True. it. True. So like, oh, this would have been better if someone else had done this. True. Oh, but, don't be uh, a sad yeah. guy. <laughs> oh, you through it. Yeah. Through it. Like, <laughs> yeah. So how do you do? But how about yourself when you like switch into that's your hard. yourself? I think I put more pressure on myself when I'm producing. Like I critique myself really hardcore, mm-hmm. and I kind of. Part of the problem of getting into the flow or getting back into the flow for me, the workflow, was that I kept stopping myself every single decision that I make. And I'd be like, like, am I making the right decision? Is this right? I wouldn't take risks because I'd forgotten that that was a whole component of like, you know, creating anything artistic is like taking risks and then, you know, copping the owl when you've made a mistake. And, you know, you can always go back and change it. That's the great thing about music. Like nothing's set in stone until not you release like, it. Not having attachments. To yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I was too much in the headspace of like, I'm too proud to like, 
ha make any mistakes here. So I'm like too attached. So you and were you like overthinking the decision? Yep. Yep. And I wouldn't, I just wouldn't let myself go. And then it got to the point where I was like, well, I have to submit this like tomorrow. So I'm going <laughs> to have to just do something. And then, you know, it all worked out in the end and that was great. But I think with other people, because like, I've been working with um, Shay from BB Girl, like on a whole project. And I think that working on that for like the past year, I've really been able to focus on my songwriting and melody writing and harmony writing. And it's like a whole other, like I don't have to think about the production because someone else is thinking about that, you know. I just have to think about how what I'm doing, which is the writing and the singing, how is that going to work best with the production? But yeah, I think, I don't know, I think Yeri's a good person to ask because Yeri like works in a duo. Yeah, right. Like with Carl. Yeah. So like what's your, what's your experience with like, I don't know, heads, but like, what's it like? What's it like collab? Like, you know, like everything with being collab, person. yeah. I think we've talked about this a lot, eh? Like what it's like to go outside of your little zone and collab mm. with different kinds of people and all the yeah. type of dynamics that come up, the type of like space that happens. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Like, um, Carl is the one person who's always been like, um, because I think we have such a chill friendship where it's like very balance and we make space for each other and we're like always kind but we also like roll with everything like we never shoot down ideas and things like that so I think with him it's super easy it just kind of comes natural because I just know that guy so well at this mm. point but um yeah it's it's definitely interesting I totally get what you're saying about how you know when there's pressure sometimes you do crystallize and really cool shit comes out of that however like at what cost yeah like, <laughs> yeah and it's just like this whole thing of like you know am I really putting my suffering out there for entertainment for money mm. like and then there's like the whole like race thing as well where it's like um I can't remember like what the quote is but it's something along the lines of like um you know how when you're writing a story and it's like you introduce a gun then the gun has to be used at some point is it Chekhov's law or something I don't even remember don't but like it's the same thing with race where it's like if you're an artist of any kind and you introduce race as part of your discourse then I think people expect your whole thing to always be about race. And mm. the thing is, is like, yes, we are inherently political just in our identities, yeah. who we are. And as artists. Yeah, but I think when you put yourself out there and you're trying to put all of you out there, like you get that artist's ego and you're like, I want to show them everything that I can right. do and I want to show everything of who I am. It can definitely yeah. feel a bit jarring because you're like, who am I doing this for? And mm. you kind of you kind of forget sometimes. But it's nice to be reminded like yeah. in the community that we are and like having conversations with you mm. and other really cool people about just doing it for the community and doing it for the yeah. right reasons and making art for the right reasons and making sure that it's something that fills your heart up with joy even if you're fucking like tired and stressed yeah. out and stuff. Exactly. I think you can still be happy at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, so I, you kind of say... I get the sense that it's our discourse and like communities, but also like media and music. It, it it's not it doesn't allow a lot of space for like multi-dimensional people. Yeah, it doesn't allow for many facets to be part of the narrative. I and think people really yeah. want something easy. They want to look at someone. They want to immediately like read them. In a is that the way. selling of it? Is that the selling of yeah. it aspect? The like the marketing. Yeah, maybe the that PR. is marketing. Yeah. yeah, you know, like mm. well, no. Not that that's uh, like the point of doing that, but I mean like that's that's kind of the framework a lot of 
music and art is like is, yeah. is introduced to people then it's like you you have to have like the what's what's the bio what's the like exactly yeah. what's the like pillar and then but mm. you know yeah it's all, like, all of us do things outside of fucking making music exactly not, yeah you know? and one, one of the funniest questions i always think is like when someone is asking you you know like for whatever marketing thing someone asks you also oh, like what genre like what genre are you like <laughs> just like, so that uh, we can write it down yeah. and i'm just like even i don't know yeah <laughs> like i'm making this shit and i don't know the <laughs> artists are the worst people to ask that yeah. like fuck, six different ones man mm. like i don't know what to tell you about that yeah. <laughs> but you brought up a good point like about marketing and branding you know as an artist and I, i've been dealing with this lately um because i I've started with like a new manager and stuff in the past year. And her question to me is always like, like, who is Tay? Like, what is Tay? Like, we need to, we need to refine Tay. You can hear her voice in my I can head. literally hear it. And I'm just like, you're right. That I low? do. Huh? Uh, who's no, you? no, no. Mede. Mede. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, pine, no. Watermelon. Yeah. Watermelon yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Nice. And like, she's right though. Like if I don't have the idea, if I don't know who I am as an artist, then what like what is it that I'm communicating? Do you think that's your, do you think that's your job to one create like exist as yourself and follow your passions and then also at the same time have to be an artist, distill yeah. and communicate that? Like I I find that inherently um uh like tension tension yeah, filled yeah because they're almost for me too. I've never been able to do both things at once. I've, yeah. I've either I either fall into trying to refine something and then that, and then I essentially just end up making up something that I'm not actually doing because mm. I've I spent all my time thinking about well what am I doing and I stopped doing everything you know yeah. it's yeah. really really hard yeah it is really hard I don't yeah I don't know I think I think it's important to like to figure it out I think it is important because especially like with the kind of music you know that we, we're making um and especially with me now working with like other producers and doing my own thing, like stuff that I produce on my own, I can easily just call that like kind of alternative indie R&B mm. because that's basically what it is. But once you add in like the other producers and stuff, it becomes something different. Like I've worked, I've got songs in my little vault, you know, at the moment that are trap soul. I've got songs that are like very heavy hip hop songs that are very heavy, just like straight R&B. So it's sort of like, I guess Meta has a point in that is like, so who are you? Like, what what is the message that you're sending as an artist? But maybe then, maybe the response is, maybe I'm more than just, you know, one thing. Mm. Maybe there's something more to it, but I have to figure that out. And yeah, yeah. it's a process. It is, and it's going to change. Yeah, it'll mm. change, yeah. Like, I feel like we've forgotten the kind of like David Bowie, Madonna-style yeah. characters who... It's each project is something different, or the it's like a different of the world. phase of your life. You exactly. know, we're not we don't allow transitions anymore. It's mm. uh, or like being in a transition. Yeah, it's like well, no, exact. Where exactly are you now? Yeah, you know. And then, well, if you're not so here, true. then where are you? It's like mm. I, don't, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Like a classic example is um, Lana Del Rey. Like mm. her, the change between her like you know three albums that she's put out since she's become you know a pop star. They're all different. Like they're all so different, but so uniquely Lana. Mm. But she's been ostracized because of how different the projects are compared to the first one, which everyone sort of holds on to. And mm. I think maybe maybe that's what it is. It's like 
you have to communicate at the beginning that I'm not just this one thing so that then the expectation later on down the road isn't for more of that. Yeah. Like I think of, again, like Scissor. Mm. Scissor before Control was making completely different music to very electronic very yeah indie. and falsetto like she never very st- slow yeah, yeah she never sang in like a um <laughs> controlled you know um bass vocal or whatever you'd call it like yeah. she was always falsetto very high and then control came out and it completely changed her as an artist and you know control exploded so everything after that i think everyone's almost expecting control scissor right but history tells us that she can do so much more so maybe i don't know i don't know with her like what i guess like the audience is expecting but perhaps they're not expecting just control scissor because they know that she can do other shit yeah right because that's what she's branded herself as before that i think we'd all hope to grow an audience that would Mm. at least like what 80 percent of them follow through each thing even if no matter what we did you know yeah yeah like it would be a. It would. I, find, I would find it really difficult if I was in a position where I had an audience that's like they're only going to. They want this one thing. Yeah. Right. That would, I reckon that would be quite yeah. tough. Yeah. That would be hard. Like I, I that we had that to some extent in two cartoons a little bit. Right. Like yeah. our early guitar stuff. Yeah, because you guys were super popular. Yeah. Well, we made we started classically just not really yeah. wanting to be a proper band, so we wrote like kind of jokey. Yep. jangly pop songs <laughs> jangly yeah jangly. just a good <laughs> yeah. classic new zealand That's guitar word, uh, yeah. jangly guitar jangly. <laughs> yeah and, it, and there's always going to be people who you're like if, if it's 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 a yeah it blows up and then you, you don't control that idea of yourself yeah. anymore yeah. and that person you always have to kind of like move on and yeah. leave them behind or totally yeah. but then you look at someone like drake who's just marketed off <laughs> a whole decade-long career of the exact same melodic riff <laughs> yeah you know right. and, and there, there is no change there is no evolution but Even the lyrical content is like i'm really sad and this girl yep, doesn't want to fuck me yeah like, and there's like christina yeah. and gina and they're all hating me because i'm a man and i've been really bad to them and that's like the whole narrative <laughs> Actually, and it's like it's, it's boring. like it's boring but that's what his audience wants yeah. and he's, he's catering to them maybe it comes down to what your definition of success is mm-hmm. yeah you know if catering to your audience like someone like drake you know you're gonna make a bunch of money doing that because you know that works because you know that's what they like you Mm. know so i I guess it comes down to like your intentions yeah and your intentions and who you are in the industry you know if you're there to make a change then you're not probably probably not going to be there for the money Mm -hmm. if you're going to be there to be a legitimate artist and all you care about is your artwork uh, your art artwork your art and your creativity then yeah that's not that kind of isn't going to work for you because you're not going to be allowed to change and evolve as an artist, you know? What, so, yeah. what kind of like time frame do you think of your like work as an artist in? Forever. Yeah, ever. right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's ever, I'm okay. never going to stop. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever stop. Like I, maybe there'll come a point where I'll stop releasing stuff, but in terms of creating, like I've been a musician since I was five years old and I just can't, it's, a part of my lifestyle it's part of my daily routine I just cannot go a day without working on something or without you know like living music even just for like an hour or two like yeah when it comes to releasing stuff I don't I don't know about that but I would want to keep yeah making music forever I think what about yourself Yuri 
Um, sorry, what was the question? I just got lost in what <laughs> you were saying. Yeah, <laughs> Captiv- captivated. <laughs> yeah, keep keep well, talking into that mic, Lou. <laughs> welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like um, how, like when you think of your artistic life, mm. do you, what kind of time frame do you think about that in? Do, are you thinking about six months? Are you, not, yeah. not like whether it will end, but like. I guess, oh, yeah. I guess, like, yeah, like, planning like, ahead. Yeah, how, like, I guess your ambition with it, I guess, you know? Um, I think I just go project by project, like what yeah. you guys were saying about mm. each phase being different. I think about it like mm. that. And it's really buzzy because, like, you make a project and then you're, like, crafting it for, like, fucking, I don't know, two years. And then you got to put it out and then you got to act like it's, like, new, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen you talk about that before because you had yeah. some uh, was it green smoke or something that came out a long time after it being made yeah yeah right <laughs> even like the stuff that we're putting out now is really old but it's kind of like you're more like the industry wants you to make each project like just be very present in the moment of its release mm-hmm. and be like this is out now yeah. go spend money on it now but it's like I don't know, like, there's so much that goes into being an artist that people don't see, and it's just, like, so grounded in who you are, there's so much, I don't know, like, it used to make me really depressed, like, when we first kind of were, like, had a foot in the in the doorway of the industry, because you're thinking about, like, perception, other people's perception of you, and then how you view yourself based on that, and this need for, like, external validation that so many of us have. But now I'm just kind of like, nah, like, yeah. <laughs> we did this thing and it was really fun and it's very self-serving. So I feel like, yeah, just project by project, not, not thinking about it too deeply. Yeah. 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 That's a, there's like a thing about like when you first come into the scene, like there's a feeling of imposter syndrome because mm. you're like, well, I just made this music and people kind of like it. Like, but I don't feel like I fit in here. Like. Yeah. I don't, you know, like I'm not, when I was first getting on stage, I wasn't doing my makeup and stuff. I just had my like my laptop and I was wearing a cap, you know, like just plugging the aux cord and I didn't really know Which anything. Which is so valid though. Yeah. yeah. But you know, at that point, you don't know anything about performance. You don't know yeah, anything about yeah. what's expected of you, you know, at a whammy show, at a neck of the woods show, you know, power station, like everywhere's different. And yeah. when you're first coming in, it's like, I'm just going to see what kind of works and just kind of go with the flow. But I feel like imposter syndrome is like so Such big. big yeah. Because yeah. you just don't feel... You just don't, like, as much validation as you get from your peers, you still have this thing of, like, I shouldn't be here. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm a fraud. fraud. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fraud. Like, this yeah. isn't real. And then you put in, and then you do, like, you, you know, you grow and you put in the work. And then you're like, no, I, I do fucking deserve to be here. Like, yeah. my music's great. And, you know, you, you make friends and life's fucking dead. So. <laughs> you make a friend and then. <laughs> yeah, you make a friend or two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everything's good. Like, I'm a lonely person. <laughs> it's the takeaway. <laughs> oh, crowds, crowds is also a big thing. Mm. I feel like um, the, playing to different crowds and yeah, because you kind of feel like you stay constant. Yeah, the, like no matter what environment you're in, but then you kind of realize that. Oh, right. So I can't go up to a crowd of like 100% white people and be like, where are my women of color at? Because nobody's going to like say anything. Yeah. They're just going to stare at you like a zoo animal. <laughs> so <laughs> just it's true. I don't know, just a little bit of that kind of shape shifting that we've had to do our whole yeah. lives and kind of applying that into how we move around. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah. Do you do you actively search out different audiences? 
Like, how do you do that? Yeah, how do you? It's too hard. Yeah. Where Where are they? Yeah. Where Where are they? Where are the different venues? Yeah. Where are the different audiences? Where's the range? Yeah, exactly. I remember um, my friend um, Dumi, who goes by um, Doswami. He's produced a couple of tracks on some of my older stuff. Some iconic tracks. Yeah, some iconic tracks. Um, Shouts to Dumi. Love that boy. Um, He put on a gig like a couple years ago at this venue that I'd never heard of. It's called UFO out in Newland. Oh, Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) I rocked up there and I was just like, this is like nothing. Like the audience was like they were like 18-year-olds, like a bunch of school kids, you know, and it was just like an all-ages party. Mm. I was like, this is the first time I've been in a crowd this rowdy. Like this is crazy. And then, you know, compare that to Neck of the Woods where – you know, it's like a largely hip hop, you know, hip hop crowd that really, you know, really dig um, R&B and hip hop. Then Whammy's even, you know, even more complicated because you've got the crowds that are there for the indie rock, crowds that are there for, you know, like the fucking massive variation of band, like local bands that we've got here. So, yeah, it's just like different. Cra- I don't. I think it's hard when you're a local artist and like you're kind of relying on bookers, you know, people to book you mm-hmm. for shows that like you can't really pick and choose you know, what audiences you want. But if you, if, if you were able to, like where, where do you imagine, like where and what time and like, like what's, what do you, do you have any intentions of like the audience and the venue you, you, you want to create? You know, if you could, because I feel like that's part of what we're missing a little bit as well. Like I think Mm. we all, a lot of us have a sense that this isn't necessary. Like this is cool, but it's also like. It's not my like dream birthday party, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But like, what would what would it be? I also yeah. feel like a lot of people don't have any idea about that. When like when the grow room were up and running, they did it really well cool. because their whole focus was community, and everyone came out to support each other. Like everyone were kind of friends, you know. Like artists were friends, and the the people that came to see the shows, like they they all at least on like some sort of personal level, like knew the artists. So I feel like. Th- in that when you bring when you make it a community thing and you make it like um i don't know just like yeah community and like support and stuff i feel like you get more engagement in that way rather than just like plastering up a poster and being like hey there's a gig on you should come see me because you, you, there's like no engagement there with either your fans or like your friends or people you know local people that probably want to find out about you but mm. you know putting up a poster and just making an announcement saying that there's a gig probably isn't going to do that i feel like the grow room did a pretty good job of making a community back then and i think maybe we've lost that so what could we learn like what what were they doing that when we haven't learned from them to carry on what are they doing well like they did you know what i mean like how did they because they that they did it which means you know we we, we're we're lost if we start assuming that that was just a special thing that again the imposter thing like oh they did it but they're the only ones that we can't yeah you know so like how do we re because the real game is how do we recreate yeah the grow room for all types of different communities Mm. so that they can practically make that community thing happen as well yeah well i think i think it's feasible but there has to be a community first like you can't make a community without a community but okay (laughs) Things it needs though. Do you, I? Do you think it needs a physical space to type to be tied to? I would say so. That's the thing. The grow room had a spot in St Kevin's Arcade. They had, you know, once that was over, they were in Samoa House, and there was somewhere to group. There was somewhere to congregate. Mm. There was somewhere to hui, and that's. I think that's important. Is having somewhere to come together because mm. it's enough to have 
the people. It's enough to have the talent, you know, the content. But if you don't have a place that's going to be safe and open mm. and inclusive, like where do you go? Yeah. You know? And how does it grow? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were talking about funding creative spaces, you know, and yeah, I think that's one of the most important things that like the creative community needs on Karangahape Road anyway, whether it's, whether we do it here or whether we do it elsewhere, like that's going to remain up for the future to tell because, you know, Karangahape Road's in the middle of a huge gentrification process right now. Mm -hmm. And the reason why people like the grow room, you know, don't exist anymore is because of that, because the rent that they're charging is too high. The facilities aren't up to scratch for the rent, you know, and yeah, it's kind of sad to watch, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Like it's amazing Pointon's here now. Yeah. You know, we're here in Pointon Studio and Silas has done a really fucking amazing job. But it's like one studio isn't enough when we need, you know, we've got so many different. And that's the tough thing as well because they get pushed out and then every, there are lots of separate groups trying who end up maybe arriving in separate areas yeah. as well. So they're even like uh, pushed away from one another. Mm. Again, making it harder to start that community yeah. back up again. Well, that's I, I think that we've got heaps of sort of like little sub subgroups throughout all the suburbs in Auckland, you know? Like there's a huge um, thing going on in Onihanga right now, mm. like with hip-hop and underground hip-hop scene, which is amazing. How do we bring that to Karangahape Road? How do we show that, showcase that, in a suburb that isn't just where they're from. I guess the question is from the other side would be like, why does it have to be Karangahapi Road? Exactly. Is it, it lost? Doesn't have like, to be. you know, are yeah. we are we really talking about it's beyond? I think so. It's beyond. It's it's done the pale. You know. I think that what we need is like a union, a creative union with people from all over the city. You know, all over um, different, you know, um, community groups and stuff throughout the city and create a network. I think that the key thing would be network here mm. because if we have the community, like, okay, if we have multiple communities, but we yeah. want it to be one community, we need a link in some way and we're stronger yeah. in numbers. And I think that a network would be the best way to do it. Imagine if we had like venues out in Onehanga, Otahuhu, and then something in Greylin, you know, something in fucking St. Mary's Bay, um, something out in like Maraitai. And this network just communicated together. And we're like, oh, yo, so-and-so's having a um, meetup this weekend. We're doing like, we're doing, um, what do you call it? Like live jazz improv. And then everyone just gathers, you know, goes together there and goes to support that. If we create that kind of network, I think that there is a sustainable future, but we can't just I, – I don't think it's safe enough to say that we'd keep it on Karanghape Road. Like, there's just no future-proofing here. You're kind of talking about um, decentralising yeah. the music uh, scenes, essentially. Kind of, like, yeah. Like, we can blockchain them all together. Yeah, basically. Like, how do we – that's what – like, talking about a union, that's what I feel like a union would be great for. Like, we could lobby to the council to get funding for multiple – you know, venues and stuff. If we've got enough numbers, if we've got enough people that are willing to stand up and say, hey, you know, like we're keen to go petition to the council for such and such, mm. um, we might be able to, you know, we might just be able to do it. And I think it would just be possible, like it would be positive for 
yeah, just for, for everyone. Like, I think that it would, yeah. I don't know what more to say about it. It's, yeah. It does seem strange to me that we focus so much on the, the, the back, the end point of like, right, yeah. um, the hit song that the developed artist has written. Yeah. And let's yeah. get the money to them. Yeah. Which seems a bit weird. And mm. I don't see why we wouldn't fund the breeding ground. Exactly. Of the, the type that will make more of those exactly. people. Exactly. Look at, um, if you look at Brazil, I, Brazil's like my, like, I guess, star child for this kind of framework. Have we pointed out that you start, you're studying oh, yes. this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm an architecture student yeah. and I, I study, you know, all this kind of, well, my thesis is about Karangahape Road and creative communities. So cool. I have been studying this year really intensely, um, <laughs> really intensely, um, you know, just looking at how other urban centres around the world have been able to preserve and protect their cultural heritage and their creative legacies. Mm. Because I feel like that's what's missing on Karanghape Road. We have the K Road plan, which says that we want to preserve, you know, we, we want K Road to be the centre, you know, the cultural hub of Auckland as it always has been. Yet their whole framework for that is just making sure that the cultural hub can make money. Creative economy is the wording that they use. And that doesn't line up with the actual people within the creative community mm -hmm. because we're not here to create a creative economy. We're here to share our art and to uplift our community. So if the council's values aren't matching with the people that they're actually writing about and like they're basically justifying mm. their expenditure, they're justifying why they need to do all the roadworks and they're saying it's for us, but we don't actually see, we, we don't see the, I guess, like the, the positives of that. We, we actually end up being pushed out mm -hmm. and further away. So what the council have planned isn't working and hasn't worked so far. However, you look at somewhere like Brazil, where their government basically use like a bunch of tax money, like billions, hundreds of billions of dollars um, into public infrastructure um, which is dedicated to creatives. So, for example, there's one building which was built in the 1980s, I believe, um, in Sao Paulo. Um, and it's designed by a woman, female architect called Lina Bobadi. And she basically, um, she was given a plot of land which already had like a bunch of old industrial sheds on it. And she said, right, convert those sheds into a big open plan um, exhibition and learning center so she's got all these um sort of like little booths where every day they've got like a, a new workshop going on and anyone walking down the street can just stop in and you know go learn something new and there's exhibitions going on you know you pay your donation or whatever to see an artist's exhibition mm. and they don't have to pay any fees to right. to exhibit there so and it's all urban urbanized so anyone just walking down the street can literally just experience art on the street and like as part of that as well, she's got this huge um, like building that's sort of dedicated to wellness and swimming facilities, soccer facilities, um, you know, like a big, um, what you call it, music hall, things like that, you know, like a performance space. Mm. And it's all urbanized and it's all paid for by the government. And that's what supports a creative community, not a creative economy, mm. because that isn't really making money for for the council, you know, for the government, for the council, but it's giving back to the people that really need those facilities. 
and giving them an opportunity to use facilities that will be good for their well-being, but also f- help their creativity flourish. Well, it's going to develop their talent. Yeah, exactly. And you it's going to give them resources that aren't necessarily accessible. Like I remember, you know, with both of us starting out, we just started out as bedroom, you know, making music in our bedroom. And it's sort of you just like Google what <laughs> what speakers to get, like yeah, yeah. what DAW to download, and you kind of just go on with it. But, I, you know, if, if we could have facilities where kids could come through and, you know, just sit down for a couple of hours a day and just see, oh, cool, so, this, you know, I could do this, I could do that. Maybe even like give them half an hour in the recording booth just to like muck around and mm. you never know what could happen, you know, with, with stuff like that. But we, we don't have any programs like that currently. Well, we do, but like they're, they're so... Um, you have to have all we have I think is smoke free rock quest yeah. as a as a carrot at the end of the stick yeah. and you have to hope that you have a really cool motivated high school music teacher exactly yeah. and and you have to be at a high school that can Has provide that, yeah, like that yeah and that can provide that resource like yeah. a decile fucking you know one school isn't going to be able to fig, you know do that because they they're worried about feeding their kids lunch yeah know? so I think if we had something that was government or council related that was urban that meant that anyone like just walking down the street could stop in and experiment and you yeah, have access to resources like that'd be amazing yeah that'd be amazing but uh, as i said like the council right now their plan for the next 20 years is to profit gen- yeah profit off of yeah. the gentrification of yeah. of areas of significance like Karangahape Road yeah and that's why I think future-proofing our communities we can't rely on Karangahape Road to be you know the center we need to rely on a network and maybe looking at the bigger picture looking at government council how do we band together all of us as like a whole super city and put pressure on them and be like we we actually want we want this we want this facility and we want you know people to have access to it and yeah hopefully be able to talk them into it yeah but that's like years of work <laughs> i reckon we should do it though yeah. <laughs> those years of work are still going to be the years no matter how many years we exactly, wait exactly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know what i mean yeah. yeah and if it means that you know kids you know in the next generations and stuff will have opportunities and that's fucking great hmm. Because I think we have a real problem with the like development pipeline. Yeah, mm. I and agree. And creative industries, like, mm. yeah, you, you guys have some experience with that stuff, right? <laughs> what do you reckon? Speak on it. <laughs> I need to pee. Yeah, you go. Speak on pee. Sorry, I should have done that. Speak on it in the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my mum suddenly told me to come. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the 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 industry are already listening. You can go. You can go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let me hold up your bladder. Yeah, the the industry spy plants have already uh, flagged. We're we're fucked. I'm fucked already. Yeah, yeah, it's totally yeah, fine. <laughs> um, I did have a yeah. question for you. Okay. That we took away from. So it's a great opportunity for it. Is that mm-hmm. I like you said? It often you find yourself releasing music mm-hmm. a long time after it's made. Mm-hmm. Why? Is there such a big gap? Oh my god! <laughs> like I, I just, I'm really curious. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, why is that a consistent thing when you're? The thing is, like, when we dropped our first song ever, there was no marketing involved. There was no thought involved. We're like, oh, yo, like, let's just upload it to SoundCloud and Bandcamp. No announcement. We just like posted it, and like cool. that was that. But I think when you're trying to make some kind of space for yourself in the industry it's a bit harder because um yeah PR and marketing and all that all that stuff comes into play and 
We had our run of, um, you know, working with labels, working with, uh, you know, bigger corporations and stuff, but it just wasn't for us. So now we're back and we're independent and we're super happy, but it's like, we've just learned a lot about business, about mm. the music business along the way. And we've just learned a lot about like, there's the creative side of things where it's like, you know, you get to make the song and do, you know, do what you do. But then there's also the whole business side of things, which is like everything that we've been talking about, like marketing yourself. Who are you? What is this music? What does it mean? Like, why are you putting it out? And I think planning all that stuff is a long time. And I think with this, uh, with this project that we're about to drop, it's been not in the works for a long time, but it's been in the planning stages a long time and there was just like a lot going on there mm. that I don't know how to even like start to like talk about but I think just having agency and it's like it's okay to hold on to things for a long time if you feel like that's right for you and it's okay to hold on to things if you just need the time for some growth and to make a plan in your head so that you know how to put a song out there make sure that it gets the most um acknowledgement and hearing that it deserves kind of thing because it's like you could put out like the best song in the whole world but if you don't market it properly it could be heard by no one and just get swept under the currents of everything going on so i think i don't know the industry is a game and it's good to know <laughs> that is it is a game and if you're gonna play it it's just learning how to protect yourself learning how to be smart like you know working smarter not harder and yeah all of that yeah I don't know if any of that makes sense, but no, no, no. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. At 3 p.m. I just asked about um the the why the length of time between creation and yeah. release. Oh, yeah, yeah. And but so you're you kind of sound like you're. That's not necessarily your passion. You're not excited to hold on to it, but you also mm -hmm. are more at peace, and you understand the importance of it mm. for yourself. Yeah, that's the headspace at the moment. Definitely, because it's um. Yeah, I don't know. It's just marketing. And I think like it's super easy if you're just like just some kid who likes making music to get really stuck in your head about like the whole wide world and all the artists out there trying to make a living and then you're just one of them and blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of like it's kind of fun in a way. Mm. I think that's yeah. like, yeah, part of it is like the problem of expectations because yeah. when you're like, when you first start out, you're looking at the music industry from like the standpoint of you're a kid from New Zealand. Like you're looking at it as if like, you know, you, you see the Beyonce's of the world and you're and like, you feel like oh an outsider. God. You yeah, feel like yeah. Alien. yeah, yeah, exactly. And you also have these expectations. You're like, well, if so-and-so could, you know, <laughs> if fucking Lord, you know, could get a deal with Warner like that quick, like it's going to take me two months. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, my yeah. music's that good. But then, yeah. you know, like obviously the expectation doesn't meet reality because that's not what happens in reality. Especially because like, like privilege is also involved. Privilege in and yeah. yeah. And also control. Like there are major music labels mm -hmm. that just all they want is control. Yep. Agency is a big thing. Yeah. Agencies and yeah. trust is another thing. Like learning who you can trust. Learning how to trust yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> and learning how to trust again after yeah. people break it. It's yeah. like, Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And just learning how to, I don't know, like control is an illusion, but knowing that you still are allowed to say no to things, you're allowed mm. to 
take time to think about the offers that people give you to really unpack it and look into like exactly what people's motives are because mm. yeah I don't know just moving navigating this industry is not a very pretty time sometimes yeah it's it gets really weird and then you just gotta kind of stick with your morals no matter how like weird it gets and just stick with the people who actually support you with your friends your community because yeah. that's where like that's where it's at <laughs> yeah yeah I reckon yeah yeah. I just I feel like I don't hear any artist being like, oh, I've never had a problem with the music industry, <laughs> and, and I don't Literally. understand why anyone complains about it. Yeah, I've never heard that. Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. someone's it, most of the time the response to like how's the, how's the business side of your music? It's like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> it's like At oh, the, that's yeah. the, probably the most positive. Yeah. Like, oh, it's I I deal with it okay. Yeah. Mm. Right. Mm. And I, I guess I'm just true. like, it's it's interesting how we all, I think because as you were saying, like you've, you've both sound like you've, you've definitely learned lessons, experience, <laughs> yeah. experiences going through those things. So mm. because you're like self-aware people, you can be like, well, I know that that added growth, which meant that, and growth's really important. So yeah. I'm in a better place. So because we're positive people, we focus on the positives. Yeah. yeah. But. They're also, and I think to a large extent, a lot of us feel that way who have gone through that. But there has to be some way to allow people to have that kind of opportunity for that kind of growth. Mm. While also, I think there's probably a little bit we can cut off the bottom of the negative experiences that maybe you don't actually need to go through and we could probably find a way to help yeah. people avoid those things. You know what yeah, I mean? But exactly. the mechanism for that, no idea. Yeah. No idea. Yeah, I think I think mentorship is like very much needed. I think so. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because I remember um, I bumped into Paloma Polyhill at um, Verona like a few weeks ago before the second lockdown, and Paloma was talking to another girl who is thinking of releasing music and you know um, performing and yeah, getting into the local scene and stuff. And so Paloma was like, "Oh, take come sit down because you're the perfect person to ask about this." And she, the girl was basically just asking like, "What do I do? Like, mm. where do I go? Like, I've got." some ideas for music I'm gonna start recording it but I don't know what like I don't know how the fuck to book a gig and I was like to be honest babe I didn't know how to book a gig either <laughs> like I just released my music out into the fucking you know world and just like hoped for the best but it was because of people like Bridge you know at BFM and um you know Sarah and stuff who have an ear and actually care about local music and you know dig and are willing to do the work to search for it yeah and they're the ones that find people and give them opportunities, you know, like playing them on BFM on the air. Like that's what got me my first gig. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't be anywhere without Bridge finding me. Yeah. Honestly. So yeah, I, I didn't know what to say to her. I was just like, I actually don't know. Like it was just by <laughs> chance. Like I don't, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for this one person playing my music on the air. So it's just people, eh? Yeah, just link up it comes down like to people. It comes down yeah. to community, like always. It just comes down to who is gonna mm. uplift you, who's gonna support you, and who's gonna be that voice for you. Like, sorry, but a major label isn't gonna do nah. that. They're not gonna dig through. A major through. label does not give a fuck about they, they like, don't, how you're yeah. doing. Yeah, it's not a, yeah, <laughs> no. it's not about that for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like, we want to know that you're good as long as you're making music for us and you're giving it to us for like free. <laughs> <laughs> Just sign the contract. It'll be yeah. Fine. Just, just, <laughs> just sign. It'll be fine. <laughs> What's going to go wrong? What's a lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Yeah. So like, do you think that there's a, you're talking about support. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and like you sound like you've, you've both got quite a supportive community yeah. around you. And I guess like 
how how do we model that behavior for more people? Mm. Because it's definitely not everyone's supportive in some aspect, mm. but you, you kind of the possibilities of how supportive anywhere everyone could be and how much we could all help one another are kind yeah. of endless. Yeah, because it's like how do we promote that kind of community mm. for me this is where that that kind of we, we use the word union but like a kind of whatever that collective community yeah. kind of thing is that's where this kind of thing can come in yeah give each other a bit of shared shared identity that has yeah. nothing to do even with our genres or like friend groups yeah or, or shit like that you know definitely because that's definitely a, a, a bridge that Absolutely, we need to yeah. kind of cross <laughs> bridge, <laughs> bridge, bridge. Shout out bridge. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's so true. And, you know, even like recent times there have been, um, you know, certain things pop up about certain members of, you know, the community or whatever who maybe have, haven't been that great or have been abusive in the past and being able to share that with the people to make sure that everyone can keep safe. I think that's really important yeah. because it's really hard for people to speak up when they are a victim of abuse. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately in the industry, like that, that, that is like really prevalent in yeah. the industry, especially when you bring in the fact that we're all alcoholics, you know, we're all fucking drug addicts in some way or another. Mm. There, there has to be some sort of form of like black book or support, you know, group so that people know who they are actually dealing with. And yeah, yeah I think that, that could be something that would be really positive for our yeah. community. And, and, and also the, the other side of that, which is cause that's all of that's like super true. Like the, cause yeah. uh, and it's true across lots of different aspects. I think yeah, of the industry, definitely. the silence is the thing that entrenches the status quo. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. if it's all boxed off, it's really hard to see what's going yeah. on. And, and if we created that shared community, that shared identity, not only could we like, all know what's going on but we could also all have agreed as in a sense like a the, the, the these are the ideals and the values that we want the people of our community to uphold exactly and so like the, the, that works not only for like identifying if people are um keeping up with those ethics or not and talking mm. about it but also for those people who have made mistakes and or have like really fucked up yeah restorative it, justice it gives them mm -hmm. look here we have a very plain thing of what exactly. we expect from people yeah. and you actually have something to aim for yeah. to try and earn like on the long road to yeah. earning your trust back yeah um you now have something that we can all fairly judge you up against exactly it's like group accountability group yeah. accountability yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's, it just yeah. yeah i think that's so important like i think that's the one thing that's kind of i've noticed has been like a big divisive you know, problem in the community is like sometimes you just can't even be in the same room as your favorite band because somebody else is there that has done something to you in the past. And that's yeah. not okay. Like, and the fact that it's not known enough or like that someone doesn't want to speak out about it or whatever, mm -hmm. like that's not okay either because, you know, I don't think that anyone wants to, you know, be um, what you call it, like a, like a yes man to, you know, to someone that has hurt somebody else in the past. Like, I think it's important to have that group accountability and stuff. And the group can't, like, we all, like that gig, right? That yeah. gig is, is without uh, the agreement, is a group of some kind. Everyone in there is yeah. all, like, yeah. on the same thing. But if they're not talking to one another, then they can't. Then there's no, yeah, They, 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 they can't, uh, one, they don't know that everything's not awesome with everyone in the room. Yeah. And two, they can't go, look, 
you need to be this way if you want to be because then what we want is everyone to be mm. able to relax in this room mm-hmm. exactly so uh, it, like even if it doesn't happen tonight we want to try and create the conditions that will lead it to happening yeah. the next night the night after so everyone can feel safe like yeah. actually work towards having a safe space because yeah. like i've noticed that like even if like i don't know people the people running the show are like pretty safe people unless they're actively pushing this like thing of like you know this is a safe space like mm. no harassment please like it's not gonna be able to really yeah. work if like, they don't take action on it then it's yeah. just like and like that's consciously all, always yeah. Be doing it. Yeah, yeah exactly this is a slightly confronting but very genuine question okay. yeah do you think that you can make a bar where alcohol is at midnight safe space Good question. I reckon I could do it, but only if I was like present in all areas at all times. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we just need to make you omnipotent. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. And just like, I don't know. I think if you set up a system where it's just like very, um, I feel like you got to kind of be sneaky where it's like if somebody is being, I don't know, harassed or just having like a terrible time or whatever, like they need to be able to have these like, escape routes okay kind of thing and i feel like if you can set that up in a way where people can reach out for help in a way that's really low-key and really confidential and then you can i don't know put security on the people or something i feel like it could be a safe space okay yeah yeah Yeah. well like some bars i know i think it was whammy like they had signs up and stuff saying like if you if if someone's harassing you or if you're uncomfortable like the safe word is this and you you can say it to Mm. any any staff member or whatever and i'm like That actually makes sense because you could just, you know, say, oh, I'm going to go get a drink at the bar and then just talk to the bartender about it, you know, and just say whatever the safe word is, yeah. raccoon. <laughs> and then, of course. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. and then kind of just, like, be able to move on from it. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I feel like girls are so good. Like, I've seen heaps of stuff online where um, – or even in real life where it's, like, if we see another person, like – who looks like they might be in some kind of distress. Like, I feel like we know how to like navigate that. You just walk yeah. up to a random girl who she might be in trouble. You just go, Oh, Hey, like, how yeah, are you? Pretend like, you're their friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Help them navigate yeah. out. Like even me, like I've been walking along the road sometimes. Like these two women pulled up in a car and they're like, you all right? Like, are you okay right now? Yeah. Like, you need a ride somewhere. And it's just like really nice to feel a yeah. little bit more held. Sense of sisterhood. Spaces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it's possible, but again, it's that group accountability. Like, if, if everyone is in on it, then yeah, of course it's going to work because everyone agrees. And if you know, even if there is alcohol present, you know, then everyone is holding themselves yeah. to that standard. And yeah. obviously, like there is no perfect system, but I feel like yeah. just the act of always striving towards it, yeah. and like you know, just think of that utopia and just even it's doing the, the work. Of yeah. Times, yeah, if yeah. you're just constantly putting in the work having an open yeah. mind, making space for people, like actually making space for people, I feel like yeah. it's achievable. Setting boundaries and expectations. Boundaries. boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> boundaries. Yeah. yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. Because that's always my thing. Like I think that's entirely right. Mm. Uh, we, there are always going to be gigs and bars that at night with alcohol and like yeah. we need to, it's about hoping for the best case scenario and planning for the worst case scenario. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I get that. 
I, I do obviously as Louise knows my like I have a personal thing of like I don't like going out late yeah. at night gigs. So like I'm, yeah, any yeah. point I can try and needle in the whole like hey we should have gigs in the afternoon and maybe yeah. we don't need alcohol. Dicks. I'm always yeah. gonna put yeah. yeah. But um but I do I do also acknowledge that a lot of people and including myself, you know, yeah. I was at a bar till bloody midnight the other yeah. week. Well, there you go. Look at you. Crazy. Yeah. So you've we've we've done really well. Before we have to close up, I kind of wanted to like you. You said you were um, one. You've worked on a whole bunch of new tape oh, music yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. For, for for submitting, so I guess so. Yeah. I'm gonna read between the lines that that doesn't necessarily mean a release super soon. No, 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 yeah, cool. no, no, no. But the but the baby <laughs> girl stuff. Yeah. So my project with Shay, I'm hoping to have it finished very soon. Um, Is EXO going to be on there? No, uh, EXO is probably going to be on the Tay project i would say so. yeah this is the thing like when we're talking about how long projects take to come together like when shay and i first started getting, uh, making music together they just sent me a track that and we were just friends at that point and they were just like oh just like here's a track like you can have it because i don't want it and i was like oh cool and then i just like worked on it and stuff and i sent it back to them and they were like oh this is dope and then we were just like let's just do a whole project together and as we started to like accumulate tracks and things like that it started to come together and I started to get this whole sort of like concept for it and I was like okay well this is going to be a concept project it's going to be very like intricate and detailed and da 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 and I you know we we made all these plans and stuff but the thing with plans is that you can't really work on plans until like the content and the music is like fully finished and you know idealized and things yeah so you know a project that we thought would be out this winter is now probably going to be like next winter of course you know because like, like that yeah, yeah we've got we've got like maybe 70 percent of the tracks finished but you know on top of all that you've got the marketing the artwork the yeah. um the rona. videos yeah <laughs> it's just like everything yeah the rona it's like <laughs> it's like everything yeah you have to work towards so much just to get it to a point where you're happy with the release because i've done like i've done the whole just chuck out you know once you've finished mixing the tracks just chuck it out I've done that and like I know where that gets you and it gets you like you know a little bit of local attention but it's not going to get you to the next phase where it's like I want to make a music video I want to you know like do something way bigger than this like yeah it's a lot of work to get up to that um so yeah I'm like currently thinking would I release the Tay project before the BB Girl project because I know that the Tay project would be way smaller you know like lengthwise in terms of number of tracks like it would be easier because it's by myself just to sort out you know videos and all that kind of stuff and artwork so I, I'm currently thinking like flip-flopping between would I should I maybe release like the tape project sometime before the BB girl project or should I wait until after the BB girl project because <laughs> they're two completely different projects as well like two completely different sounds mm. um and that's the other thing it's like if i'm gonna release the bb girl project that puts tay into a whole nother bubble well does the bb girl project is it just tay and bb girls are it gonna have its own name it's it's gonna be released under tay but it's produced cool. by bb girl right right yeah okay, so see. kind of like rico, yeah, yeah rico oh. nasty and um what's Ken his name kenny beats kenneth yeah. beater yeah <laughs> kenneth beater yeah <laughs> Kind of like that kind of vibe. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's tough. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, because it's like I could put out just like some classic new fresh tay or I could put out something that's just going to be completely different 
that my audience so is going to be used to. And it's like, wait up. Flip a coin, mate. <laughs> yeah, flip a coin. <laughs> yeah, fuck, might have to. I'm still too mad about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. You're just going to have to get someone's opinion who isn't you, I think. Happens, I think yeah. you're, you're not going to be able to think your way out of this one. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to talk to heaps of people. Me this. over here like, I'll plan it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll plan the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, do you have any plugs for now? Is there anything for now? For now, what do you want to do? Anything Ooh, to plug? Well, um, it's not set in st- a date's not set in stone, but um, Rona. yeah, because of Rona. Hopefully, at the end of October, I'm going to put on an exhibition, um, which will be um, part of my thesis thing. So, if you're interested in architecture or like how architecture facilitates music um music venues even if you're interested in any of that kind of stuff um yeah come through i'm gonna have like Amugi performing yeah. i'm gonna be performing Sick. um yeah i'm just getting like the lineup sus for that now um and i think it's gonna be here at pointon oh, dope. Yeah. Be yeah yeah very cool yeah so i'm still trying to sort that out just because of rona and everything but um yeah when, when that is sorted out where will you like put the information um, probably I'll put it up on my Instagram and stuff and I'll promote, promote it on Instagram. Um, yeah. Tay Bay. Yeah. Tay Bay Bay. Tay Bay Bay. Tay Bay Bay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. A- any plugs for yourself? Um, movie album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we're releasing some stuff. Oh yeah. Um, might have a show on the way. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even know her. <laughs> There's a plan. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah we're professional musicians. Yes. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming and having thank a chat. Ch- it's, it's always awesome hanging out with you, Louise. Yeah, it's really nice yeah. to hang out with you and, and get to know you a little bit. Yeah, as well, nice to you. meet you in real life, properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm a big fan of your. Well, both of your work, really. So it's really Aww. nice. Yeah. Yeah. You got some really nice things to say. <laughs> oh, you're great. Uh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> All right, let's go get some photos. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Sicko. Sick. Hey, good All work. Right. Thank you so Thank much. You. That was like the chillest podcast so chill. in the world. That's kind of what you want. So lovely. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Nice. Yeah.